y'all love to worship? Do y'all love to worship? I was talking to Bobby the other day, and I said, um, talking about loving to worship, and I said, well, I think if I read correctly, the Bible says that's what we're going to do when we get to heaven, so hopefully we like to worship, because I think that's what we're going to do. Oh, hallelujah. God is so good. Amen? So, um, it's fifth Sunday, meaning every other Sunday, or every other fifth Sunday, I get the opportunity to minister. I share it with our youth ministry as well, so they'll minister next time. Um, but I wanted to share a small word with you guys, and I'm going to pray before we get started. Um, and the scripture today will be found in Matthew 25, just to give you a heads up. But let me go ahead and pray again. Sorry, I love to pray. Lord, I love you. I love you so much. God, I pray that as I speak today, people would hear you, would see you and not me. Open our hearts, open our minds, open, um, open us up to receive from you, Lord. God, I love you so much. Amen. So it's found in, we're going to um, read in Matthew 25. Many, many, many of y'all know this. It's the parable of the ten virgins. Okay, so Matthew 25 at the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them are foolish and five are wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, men, the wise ones, however, took oil in, the jar, in their jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom, was, the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, "'Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him!' Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. They might, there might not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. When we read these scriptures, we know that these scriptures are about the coming of Jesus, about end times, about being prepared, being ready. We have no clue when he's coming back. I believe he's coming back soon, but we don't know when, and we must be ready. But today I want to talk to you about being prepared for what we have in the present and being prepared now. As a church, are we prepared to minister as a whole and serve those who are not ready for the return of Christ? Is our church like the five foolish virgins or the five wise virgins? And I'm going to explain. The five virgins that didn't take oil, they fell asleep, and because of that, they were not ready for the return of the groom. They were not prepared they didn't take enough oil. They missed it. Shame on them. And I believe that there are a lot of churches that have not prepared and have fallen asleep, not only for the return, for the return of Christ, but they have fallen asleep and they're not prepared for what God has given us. And that's all these people in our community to minister to right now. All the unchurched people, all the people who've left our church, all the people who have nothing to do with our church and could care less about God. I have nothing to do with God. I don't want to hear about it. All those people, I feel like many churches have fallen asleep and are not prepared to minister to them. Just like the virgins knew the groom was coming, but still did not take the opportunity to be prepared, we as a church, as a whole, we as Christians, know there are people all around us dying in our family and our community every single day. But we are not prepared, many of us. We're not ready, and we're not doing anything about it. 
We are sometimes asleep to those in need of Jesus' love, his grace, his mercy, his resurrecting power, all that good stuff that makes me excited, that makes me want to shout, all that stuff that I'm like, man, I wish I could just tell everyone about it and dump it on you and you could feel it. But there's so many people that have no idea about it. And what are we doing about it? We aren't aware or ready to, the, to help those who need. We're asleep. And if we aren't careful, Jesus is coming back. And all these people around us are going to be left behind because we weren't ready, we weren't prepared, and we didn't minister, and we weren't open to talking to them and to serving them and to loving them. And the question is, do we really care? I know that's kind of harsh, but y'all should know me. I'm kind of straight to the point. Do we really care? I believe, sadly, sometimes as a church and as a whole, um, we're okay, we're comfortable with who's in here and who comes to us. If you come to our church, we will minister to you, we will love to you, we will love on you, and if you, come, if you are a member here, we will do that. But it's a lot to have to go out there. We'd rather um, be okay with what's here than meet, our, meet their needs out there. For example, churches will be quick to create ministries and put on new activities and uh, spend lots of money and time and energy luring, I have a hard time with that word, luring people in instead of meeting them where they're at and meeting them in their need. Rather than going out in the community and um, meeting them, we want to create our own Jesus things here in church, create ministries. And I love ministries. I'm a kids pastor. Of course I love ministries. But we are so wrapped up in creating things here and expecting all these ministries to be crazy awesome and expecting these sinners to beat these doors down. And that's not going to happen. Our times are different these days. It's not going to happen. We can't expect us to build these crazy ministries and come to church and feel, experience this. These sinners are not going to do that. In the past few months, Huddleston itself, our church, has had several outreach opportunities. Um, the first one we did was feeding Huddleston. We've done this for two years now. We collect food. Um, we fill boxes. And uh, we send home applications to the elementary school. And during Christmas break, anyone who may be uh, struggling with food, they can fill an application. We don't need their background. We don't care if they have food stamps or don't get food stamps. We're just going to help them. We fill up a box of food, and we deliver it in their house. Great opportunity to meet them in their needs. We get to go in their house. We get to talk to them. We don't have to quote them scripture. We don't have to throw a Bible in their face. We can just say, here's some food. We love you. We also did another event, and this is our biggest event, um, our community egg hunt. This year it was cold. <laughs> it snowed right after we finished. It was cold and it was snowy. I'm going to be honest, Ashley did not want to do it because I just did not feel good. And I was like, Lord, why am I doing this? And God, <laughs> yeah, I'm just being honest. I, and, I, and I really was like, God, it's cold. I don't want to be here. I don't feel good. Why? And God reminded me, Ashley, you just wait. It was cold and it almost stone, and we still had 300 people show up. And Ashley said, Ashley, God said, Ashley, this is why. Look at these people you can love on. Look at these people you can minister to. In that first event, we had 10 volunteers. In the second event, we had 15 volunteers. And I'm not even going to tell you how many members we have at this church. But I say that not to guilt trip you, but to say, what in the world? I myself didn't want to be there. But after a while, God convicted me and was like, Ashley, you have such an opportunity to not only feed these people, because, you know, a lot of people come there for free food, but they got to hear the gospel, if nothing else. Even if they didn't want to hear it, I told it to them. They got to hear the gospel. They got to um, experience the love. These ladies that were serving food, I know they were cold. I know they were cold. And they put a smile on their face and handed those hot dogs out like no one else. They did so good because you know why? 
They love on those people. And that was through a hot dog. That was through a a box of food. That's how we love. We met them in their area, in their needs. Most of those people that came to that outreach event may never step into our church. May never step. They may have church hurt. Someone in this church may have done something to them. Who knows what what happened? But they they heard the gospel and they experienced love that day, because if nothing else, we gave them a free hot dog, and they know that they knew that we loved them. I love the story of Zacchaeus. Um, Jesus went and hung out with him at his house. And I love that Jesus didn't say, you know what, let's go hang out at the church. Let's go hang out at the temple. Or I'm going to need you to clean up your life before I can associate myself with him. He said, no, I'm going to go eat at your house. Take, take me there. How incredible is that? He met him in his life, where he was. When is the last time we had dinner with an unchurched family? A family who had nothing to do with Jesus, a Muslim family. Now I know many people are like, there's not very many Muslims around here. Trust me, you can find them. Exactly. True that. You can, you'll be surprised. How many of us would it go to someone else's house that's not a Christian and have dinner with them? Um, I think it was Pastor Charlie that I had a conversation with several years ago, and he probably doesn't even know how much it impacted me, but it might not have even been you. I don't know, but you can take the credit for it. <laughs> several years ago, I was having a conversation with him about work, and I was complaining to him. I said, life would be so much easier if I could just do ministry full time. I hate having a secular job and just it just drains you. And then trying to do ministry full-time is just so hard. And I was like, man, it would just be easier if I could just do ministry full-time. And he said something, not his exact words, but he said, Ashley, think of all the people you get to see every day that don't know Jesus, that nothing about the church, that nothing about the love of Christ. Think of all the people you come in contact with. You wouldn't have that if you did full-time ministry as much as you do now. And I was just like, oh, because I work with some crazy people. They have a lot of, and no, that, that's their diagnosis. They have a lot of mental health issues. And I think, oh, my goodness, the opportunity I have to minister to these people. If I didn't do that, I'd be in a church, which churches are great. But what, how many opportunities would I have missed by not having a secular job out there in the community? Many Christians want to reach unchurch people. We want to reach those people, but we don't even have unchurch friends. We don't know anybody that doesn't go to church. They all go to church. Oh, my aunt goes to church. My sister goes to church. My neighbor goes to church. Why don't we get involved in community activities or go to your kids' sport games? Find someone that has nothing to do with Jesus. Maybe they would even tell you, I hate God nothing to do with him. And you know what? That's your new best friend. <laughs> be friends with them. Not friends with them because you want to shove Jesus down their throat, but because you want to love on them and show them the love of Jesus. Ministries are very important, but we don't need more ministries because our people are our ministries. The people in our community are our brothers and our sisters, and they are our ministry. So I have a few questions to ask ourselves so we can evaluate. Are we awake? Are we ready to minister? Are we prepared? The first one, can we talk to someone who needs Jesus? We need to speak a language that they can understand. There's a message worth sharing. Oh, goodness, I love the gospel. I love the message. It hasn't changed. But sometimes we share the gospel with a lot of churchy words. A lot of churchy words, a lot of fillers. People don't need to be dazed with church, or dazzled with churchy words or theological systems. They need the truth. They just need the basic truth. And then we assume that people just know about Christianity and about faith and about Jesus. How many of you know about Hinduism and Buddhism? Buddhism, whatever. I clearly don't either. 
not just from what the History Channel says or what you Google, but really know about it. That's about as much people know about Christianity. There's a cross, there's a God, there's Jesus. Most people, we can't assume that they know, which is a great opportunity because we can start with the basics and say, let me tell you about this man who was born a sweet little baby Jesus and grew up to be a man that changed your life. We have to start with the basics and embrace it. We have to talk to them plainly about the love and joy of Jesus, the forgiveness, his death, the peace that comes with God. Keep the churchy words for another time. Just talk to them about the truth. I think of the Pharisees when I think of churchy words. They love to show people that they love God. Oh, we love God. Look at us. Hallelujah. We like to um, fast, blah, 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 blah. But I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want people to look at me and think, man, that girl is full of some churchy baloney. I have a funny story about one of my clients. So I do work with people who are, um, have mental health issue, disorders. They're schizophrenic, bipolar, lots of issues. And I have a client who um, told me one day, she said, I'm going to go to church, Ashley. And I said, great. And I said, I didn't mention God. I didn't mention Jesus. I said, church is a great place to find peace. I said, you will find family. I said, go. They will pray for you. A lot of times they will feed you. <laughs> Churches in Lynchburg do great about picking you up, and they'll feed you lunch. I didn't say, you should get saved. You need to know about Jesus. Nothing. I just said, you'll find a lot of peace. You'll be surprised what praying does for your mental health. I told her that. I said, your depression can be reduced by just spending time with God. So she went a few times, and she said she liked it. <laughs> and then she came back one day and said, I'm not going back to that church no more. I don't like it. And I said, well, what happened? She said, I'm just tired of it. That church preaching lady, I don't know what she's saying. Them words she's saying, I don't even know what they mean anymore. And she said, and they just yell. They yell, and they yell, and they yell. Do they know that God ain't deaf? And <laughs> I cracked up. I laughed and laughed and laughed. It was so funny because I was like, oh, to hear it from some, to hear what we are like just from someone else that has nothing to do with Jesus, cares nothing about Jesus. I was like, oh, shame on me. Shame on us. And that's the sad part. A lot of people are coming to church and have no idea what's going on. They don't know what I'm saying. They don't know what Patrick is saying. They have no idea. I was watching videos and reading some um, articles on why young people and just people in general leave the church or don't come. And a lot of the answers were because I have no idea what they're talking about up there. And they said, I'm not brave enough to ask questions. But when I do, if I do get brave enough to ask questions, the pastor, the speaker, the teacher, whoever, they'll either just quote me a scripture that they can't explain or they'll um, and not be able to answer the question. Are we, prepared and talk, are we prepared and able to talk to someone who needs Jesus boldly? Do we know how to talk to them? Are we prepared to answer questions with love? And then what happens if we don't know the answer? Are you willing to say, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to have to get back to you on that. Let me look that up. I have clients who ask me some of the craziest questions. One of my clients literally asked me, if, because she had a mental illness, did, does that mean she had a devil? And I was like, uh, I don't even know how to answer this question. <laughs> and then I have another client who always wants to talk about the end times, which is awesome, except Ashley is not a scholar in the end times. I need to carry, like, Willie or Randy with me <laughs> because I always have to say, I don't know, I don't know. I know he's coming back, but <laughs> I don't know much because they ask a lot of questions, but they want to know. Are you willing to say, I have no idea, but I know a book that tells me the answers, and I know a God who tells me the answers? Let me get back to you. 
when people, when ministering and talking to someone, please don't act like you know it all. No one wants to know it all to minister to them or help them. Be honest and be open with them. You know what? I, I'm struggling myself with that answer. I don't know. Someone once said, we must carefully guard our words to ensure we are part of the solution to the problems we are anointed to change. I pray that we are a solution to the problems. I don't know about you, but I would hate for my big mouth to ruin someone's um, chance to get to know Jesus or they're wanting to come to church. Because I know I have a big mouth, and I have to pray a lot and watch it. And I pray that my big mouth never um, hurts someone enough to not come to church. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 says, and pray in the spirit on, in oh, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. P- with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may given be given to me so that I will be fiercely made known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. When the scripture says me, think of yourself. Lord, I pray that when I speak, people will know you through my words and through my actions. I pray that I would never, my words would never turn away from, turn someone away from you. That would be a shame that my big mouth would get in the way of someone in their relationship with Jesus. The second question to ask ourselves is, can we talk to someone about issues that they are dealing with? And this is where I struggle with. I'm going to be honest. Can you talk to a same-sex couple about the love of Jesus Jesus without being judgmental? Can you talk to an alcoholic who has a beer in his hand or who's coming out of the ABC store or going into the ABC store? Can you talk to someone who is deep into sexual sin and has no desire to get out? Or one that is very, very prominent these days. Can you talk to a couple who's living together and raising a family, not married, and has no desire to get married? Unchurched people do not come pre-converted. Some of the issues they're dealing with takes years. I've seen God take addictions and break chains instantly. But there's also times that it does not happen instantly. And for years and years they will struggle. As a church, as Christians, are we willing to fight those years with them? Cleaning up our behavior is not a precondition for salvation. There's a whole lot of dirty people that's come to Jesus, a whole lot of people that had some dirty issues, and Jesus never said, you clean it up and then you come to me. He said, you come to me and see what I can do. Is our our congregation ready to love on those unchurched people, not just judge them? One of Jesus' genius' approaches was to love people into life changes. And if we can do that, that's when we'll see people being changed. But unfortunately, as Christians, we are known a lot for what we are against and not a lot for what we are for. And the transformation that comes from Jesus and that transformation they need so much, it does not come from judging and condemning them. But when we first address our own issues and then show them the kindness and the mercy and the hope that is found in Jesus and nothing else but Jesus. The past weekend at the, we had the youth retreat this past weekend and I went as a visitor, Bobby played on the worship team and the messages were great, and one of the speakers said something that really stuck with me, something so simple yet so impactful. He said, Jesus is not scared of any dirty sin. So true. That dirty sin that we li- we've lived in or we live in or that your neighbor may live in or your cousin or your brother may live in, Jesus, don't bother him. Not scared of it. Yet 
us. Sometimes we stick our noses up to it, or I'm not getting involved in that. Their life has too much drama, too much sin, too much dirtiness. Oh, I'm not getting myself in that. And Jesus is like, you know what? I'm about to go over there and meet them. I'm about to go have dinner at their house. Are we open to going to those dirty places for those dirty people and pulling them out and saying, let me show you someone who can change your life and flip it upside down? Lastly, are we adapt? This is another one for me too. Are we adaptable? Are we willing to change? Ashley hates to change. I just love when life just goes and doesn't change. But that doesn't work all the time. There, there's never a time where we've arrived, where we're done, we've won, we're the church, we're finished. No, we have to continually be continuously being changed, and we have to be adaptable and flexible. Don't design a now we're done approach and say, okay, once we get here, we have finished. That's not going to happen. We may never be done changing and being flexible and adaptable to be able to uh, minister to these unchurched people. How quickly can our church change? Are we open to changing rules? Are we open to allowing someone to drink a coffee in our sanctuary? Are we open to change times of our services? Are we open to um, changing the rules in our church? And these are just small things, but you know what I mean. Are we adaptable? Are we open to change? I've said this over and over and over. The way we ministered to 40 years ago is not the way we can minister today. Things have changed. Our culture has changed, so why wouldn't the way we talk to people change? Years, ago, years and years ago, you would have rarely seen a couple living together without being married. It just it wasn't, well, I wasn't here 40 years ago. But I hear that that was very uncommon. People, you would have a husband and a wife and kids, and they would go to church on Sundays. That is crazy these days. You see more and more people living together and raising families. One second. Pause. I have a funny story. Last year, um, I was, I went to Texas with Bobby to meet his family. Hmm, was it last year? Ooh, his life went fast. Um, to meet his family, because most of his family's in Texas, and I hadn't met any of them. So we went, it's hot there. Ooh, it's so hot there. So we get there, and I think it's like the first or second day, and his family's wonderful. They're similar to my family. They're very open. They will talk about anything, which is like my family. We will talk about there's nothing that cannot be talked about, which I know embarrasses my siblings a lot. But we're just a very, very open family, and his family's like that too. It's the first or second day, and we're sitting in the kitchen, and one of his family members is talking about another family member who's in her 20s, and she's of a different faith, and um, she decided to wait to get married to give herself to her husband. I'm going to wait. Well, they just found out she didn't. Her boyfriend, she had um, given herself to him, and they were so surprised. They were like, I'm just surprised that she did that. I mean, I mean, she is 24, which is just strange because no one ever waits these days. No one has ever keeps their purity, so I guess I'm proud of her. And I'm just sitting there like, and Bobby looks at me, and I look at him, because they didn't know my convictions. They didn't know I was Christian. They didn't know how I felt about that. And they're just going on and on about how strange it was that she had waited until she was 24 to give herself to this man. And I'm just sitting there like, because they didn't know that that was a huge conviction for me, and that's how I'd been raised. People aren't raised like that anymore. You have a boyfriend, you move in with them, you have kids. You get a girlfriend, move in with them, you have kids. It's just ordinary these days. Marriage isn't important anymore. It breaks my heart because I love marriage. But that's, it's, that's how it is these days. People don't get married. Years ago, homosexuality was such a hush-hush, and now it's a normal thing. God's grace and his mercy and his salvation has never changed. That message has never changed. 
but sometimes we have to change the way we minister so we can share that awesome message. We must be careful to discern the difference between opinions and convictions because, wow, we mix them up. It may be my opinion that we need a certain ministry here, but what would that ministry do for those in our community dying without Christ? It may be my opinion that Pastor Ken needs to wear a tie every time he gets on this stage because that's respectable and that's what God likes. But what is that doing for all the people in our community that's dying? It may be my opinion that all my kids, when they come to kids' church, keep their shoes on. Every single kid that comes out to church keeps, takes their shoes off. I don't know why. It's like their shoes come off, their socks come off. It's just a mess. My opinion, keep your shoes on. But what is that doing for the people that's dying in our community? Nothing. I'm wasting my breath. I'm going to fuss at them. Maybe it's my opinion that Danny needs to play two hymns and one contemporary song every Sunday. But what's that doing for the people in our community that's dying every day without Christ? We have got to wake up. We've got to be ready, and we've got to be prepared for Jesus' return because I want to take as many people with me as I can. I don't want my community to die. I don't want my family to die without Christ. And sometimes this can be difficult for us, and we have to step out of our comfort zone. How many... How, how would things change if we would just see people as God saw them? Not just being nice to them and, I'm going to pray for you, or I have a great church you should check out, but just seeing them as God, meeting them in their area, talking to them plainly, and saying, let me introduce you to someone. And God went to the extreme. What did he do? He gave his son. He gave his son, his only son, to a bunch of people who didn't even like him half the time. Our baby's not even here, and I couldn't imagine just handing him over to a world that hates him or her. I just can't imagine that. You hate my child? Okay, bye. But God did that for us. He went to the extremes. How would things change if we just saw people as God saw them? Church, we've got to be awake, and we've got to be ready to go meet our community in their needs, in their sin, in their struggles. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be uncomfortable, but I don't want any of these people left behind. Don't shove a Bible in their face or a quote of scripture or any of that. Just talk to them honestly about Jesus and their, the love he has for them. Invite the community drunk out for lunch. You're going to have some people talking about you, but Wow, how things would change if that person who maybe struggles with alcoholism for years and years said, that Christian person asked me to go out to lunch with them? Well, I might as well get a free meal. And how things could change. It may seem radical. It may seem different. But I don't want to be the foolish virgins that where they got left behind, I don't want to have all my community, all my brothers and sisters out there, my family left behind because either my big mouth got in the way or I just didn't even say anything at all. I do not want to be like that. I pray that I will minister to those who need to hear Jesus' love without judging, without condemning, and just showing them God adores you. God loves you. I'm going to... Um, we're going to have a prayer time real quick. Not real quick. You can pray as long as you want. But during this prayer time, I don't want to say come to the altar. I don't want to say anything. I want you to do what you need to do. But I want you to evaluate these questions and see if... Excuse me. If you, if there's an area in your life that maybe you should evaluate and change, am I being adaptable? Am I able to talk to someone in their own sin? That, that's hard for me because I have never experienced these sins that people struggle with. So I'm like, how do I even talk to them? Am I able to talk to them in, at all and answer these questions? And if not, ask Jesus for help. 
Ask him to give you a heart that breaks for his people, that breaks for his people that are stuck in that sin. Ask Jesus to give you a heart for this community, the community that you live in, the neighbors that are dying every day without you. So I ask that as George plays this song, pray where you're at, pray in the altar. I don't even care. You can pray wherever. And more importantly, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you've been hurt by a Christian, you've been hurt by a church, I want to tell you, we're sorry. I'm sorry. My Savior would have never done that. But he does love you. He adores you. He's crazy about you. And if you don't know him, if you have questions, if today you're like, you know what, I have a whole lot of questions about this Jesus man. I would love to answer them. If I don't know the answers, I'll send you to somebody else. But we will answer these questions together because this man is incredible, and he changed my life, and he can change your life. So as George goes ahead and uh, plays this song, um, I just ask that you spend some time just talking to God and evaluating yourself and evaluating myself.